What's up? Welcome to another episode of Chocolate with the Side of Medicine. I am one of your lovely hosts, Amy Jo MD, and I have with me Dr. Chris. Hey guys. Dr. Nono. Hey. And Dr. Sunshine. Greetings, my lovely people. How are y'all? Y'all, the World Cup just ended. It was wild. Mm-hmm. It was wild. Yes. I actually watched it too. And I don't really watch soccer. I don't really watch soccer, but I was looking like, what? What's happening? Oh my God. That was a very exciting mm-hmm. game. And I usually don't watch soccer, but that game was actually very, it, it drew you in like not very to, easily. I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um, it was very exciting. These are my quotation marks. But it should not have been that exciting because I feel like the refs were definitely calling the game in favor of France. I don't even think France should have even really been in this game for real, for real. Um, I don't agree with one of the penalty kicks, and I kind of feel like it was just... Anyway, the the right team won at the end. I guess I shouldn't be too upset. The right team won because it was 3-3, went to penalty kicks, went to extra time, and then PKs, and then Argentina beat France. Mm-hmm. Um but I think they made it a little more exciting than it was supposed to be because I'm like, this game should not be going to extra time. Then I'm like, this game should not be going the penalty kicks. And I'm like, God damn. But, <laughs> but for the casual football watcher, the match was probably very exciting for the casual fan. Like, I, I, I get that. But as for someone who I feel like the better team should really be winning and should have won earlier, I was like, why are we keeping France in this match? This thing should have been over. Now we're just now – because. Mbappe's a beast. I'm like, so we just go, we just gonna keep Mbappe just just he's just gonna beast longer. Okay, cool, whatever. Fine. But I'm happy with well, that. I mean, shout, out France, shout out to Messi. Yeah. I'm happy Messi won. Yeah. He's, he's retiring. This is last World Cup, so I'm happy for Messi. Yeah. It's crazy retire at 30, was he 34, 35? Yeah, he's 35 years old. But he's also yeah. he's also been playing soccer. He's played professionally since I mean, 17. So but he's been, look at he's how been they doing look at how they're running around all the, listen. I mean, I'd be tired. Yeah. I'd be like, that'd be hard. I need to go on the side. I need to catch my breath. I can't do this. I can't be running around all up and down the field and kicking and it's hot. Mm-mm. I mean, yeah, the next World Cup <laughs> would be like, by four, right, right. Yeah, they're in like Qatar no. on top of that. But the next World no. Cup would have been four years, so you'd be damn near 40. So that would yeah. It also yeah. it also depends on your position. Some players do play longer. Like if you're a keeper, you know, or if you play forward, but Messi plays center and midfield. So he running up and down that field all like he plays a position that takes a lot of energy to play. So listen, they all look fine. like they take a lot of energy. Th- that's right. me. I don't know, but I don't play soccer, but it just looking at everybody I feel bad for them. Like I want to <laughs> run around and give them some water in between and tell them take a seat because you might hurt yourself. Right? Like, that's just me. Yeah. And oh, I'll do. Like, this like too much. I think when France, was it France I got that shot when um, they took the penalty kick and kicked that goalie straight in the face? Like, yes. that ball's probably yeah. going 100 miles per hour and then landed smack dab in his face. I'm like, how's this guy not having a concussion right now? Because that ball was like, there's no workers' hard. comp. <laughs> no <laughs> Dr. Chris, what you talking about? It's a competition. <laughs> nah, man. Need workers' comp. I hurt myself. Oh, he probably did. What y'all gonna do about that? I'm not gonna lie. One of my worst injuries in soccer was getting kicked in the face by the ball. I remember it was in high school, and I had and I had braces, and I bled for a long time. It was just it was a bloody it was a bloody hot mess. I was just like, y'all got mouth guard. Not blood with a mouth guard on top of your braces. You can't. I, I you can. I didn't. I was 16 and 
wild mm. and free. I did it. Girl. <laughs> but I was just like, damn. And then they were like, you should go to, we should take it to an emergency room. I just, you know, it's the head. They just kept bleeding, kept bleeding, kept bleeding. I was just oh. like, yo, I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> it's wild. Oh my we gosh, we almost lost you. Pieces. Even I almost school. lost you, girl. Twice. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, bleeding problems, things. That's like, that's, that seems to be my MO. Just lots of bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You're like, I'm going to see how this one works. Okay. <laughs> well, one thing I have to say, like, it was interesting to me that it's the World Cup, but it it was a little hard for me to find where I could watch it. That bothered me a little bit. I had to watch it on, it on my Fox. computer. I it was on Fox, find it. yeah. Yeah, well, I couldn't find it on Fox, but and I'm a little upset because I got cable, so like I don't know. So you got good cable too, huh? I got good cable and I couldn't watch the match. I had to watch it. On Fox. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a little upset, girl. About I got that. Sling that twenty five dollars a month, and then just the Fox is on there. Well, and, I can assure you yeah. this: if you have basic, basic, basic cable, it's always on Telemundo, but you have to watch it in Spanish, and that Spanish com- <laughs> commentators they'd be like, "Go!" Well, that's the best part. I don't need to know all the other stuff. <laughs> So we only that's watch it on Telemundo. That's that's a that's a firm rule in my house because apparently American and English commentators they make the game sound boring. So we only watch. They're it on so Telemundo. calm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and then they kick the ball, and now they're going down the field. On Telemundo, they be screaming. Yeah, they're like, talking like a mile well, a minute. I'm like something I, must be happening here because they're talking real fast. Because <laughs> yeah. when I grew up, like growing up, like because uh, you know, well, you know, my parents are from Haiti, so like everyone in my family watches soccer but me right so like whenever they would watch it they would always watch it on telemundo so like i just grew up knowing that that's how you watch it like i'm just sitting there looking at it and i'm just hearing them talking and i don't understand what's happening but i always understand goal everybody understands that so girl these telemundo commentators they'll give you everybody life story they know everybody they're like oh my gosh this world cup is big for him he just had a baby he named his baby after his favorite player in the world cup and he's here today and i'm like how did what like how do y'all know all this information about all these players they give you all this background they're it's like they're telling a telenovela it's like a telenovela it's like they're yeah they're, they're building the drama they're built they give you the layers and you're like god damn okay i'm with it i'm with it so if you weren't interested, you interested now. <laughs> right, right, right. But either way, yes. Um, shout out to Argentina. Shout out to a lot of people getting exposed to soccer, um, also known around the world as football, that wouldn't normally be watching it. So it ended today. All that good stuff, you know. But aside from that, I've been Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wedding planning, so, you know, that is... Yay. Oh my gosh! I've passed. I passed the torch. I passed the torch of wedding planning. Yes, you know I've crossed my yes. finish line, and now Amy Cho is carrying the. Man, it's and like a, a baton. It's, like, it's like a baton. It's like I was running. I was sprinting with my baton, and I was like, "Ooh, Amy Jo!" And she grabbed it, and now she's sprinting. I don't know who she's gonna pass it to afterwards, but we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. That Chris is twenty, like not. Nah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to get that baton right now. I'm not. I'm not on the anchor leg. I'm just. I'm just. Oh, I'm you're not, you're not running direction. <laughs> you're not anchor. I'm running in a different direction. I'm not even in the race. I'm probably on the sidelines sitting because I'm tired, taking yeah, a break, Chris drinking the, some water. Chris not even on the track. She's somewhere getting nah. water. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, on the sideline. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> tired Chris like I ain't even running I'm tired I'm gonna get some water I'm gonna sit on the sideline you know watch everything you know comment you know what I mean but Amy Jo she gonna be rooting for you though Mm -hmm. oh there she go look at her she fast look at her I'm rooting for all of y'all 
You know, I'll be the biggest fan. Like, yes, girl, keep going. Keep right. You got it. You got it. I'll give you all the encouragement you need. All right, I got two topics for today. Um, I'm going to start with the sad one, and then we're going to end it with a happy one. Okay, make me sad first. All right, well, you already know. So, uh, remember uh, Twitch from the Ellen DeGeneres show? Uh, so, it was recently found that yes. he had committed suicide at the age of 40. So, ugh, it was really rough because I remember that he released uh, some dancing videos with his wife and with his kid, maybe not two, three days before this happened. And if you if you guys catch the trend with like people that commit suicide it can be the happiest most jovial person ever that you will ever talk to and you ever meet but you really do not know what's going on inside because all of that can just be a mask a really good mask for a lot of shit that's happening deep down inside and this this is a, a, another unfortunate prime example of that so it's it was really rough. They, I know they did a tribute. Um, I, Ellen's uh, Twitter page had a nice little tribute to him. And a lot of celebrities were just pouring out their love for Because he left behind a wife and... Uh, was it two? Three, three, three kids. kids. Three kids. Mm-hmm. Wow. So He also yeah. left a suicide note, so he I did, heard. Yeah. So he explained... I they didn't find they something. Did. So they did... Inv- yeah. He left a they suicide did. note and he explained, I think, I guess some of the stuff. He was going through some past traumas and things, but... It was just like every time you would see him, he would look so happy and so like put together like you would never think. Right. But that goes to exactly like you were saying, that just goes to show like how depression looks like. And you got to check in, you got to check in with your strong friends, you know, the people that look like they got everything together. Because for honestly, we do not know. There's no one person on this earth that has everything together. And to know that, you know, they have someone that's looking out for them and checking up on them you know, can really, really make a difference. And you can uncover stuff that can really be intervened on before it gets to before it gets to this point, pretty much. Well, the other thing, too, is that, yes, I totally agree that we should definitely do more checking in and talk to people more. I do think that that is important to do. But I also realize that sometimes even when you do that, if they don't tell you, how are you going to know? Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You try to check in to be like, hey, like, like listen to me like you because just think about it when you ask somebody you're like oh how you doing i'm fine okay a lot of times you ask people how they're doing you don't really want them to tell you everything right you're just like hey how you doing and then you just keep it moving because you're just being polite right Right. but like really taking the time right exactly but really taking the time like no 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 how are you right you see that like, inflection that's that's the key so there's a difference between how are you doing like you know someone on the street be like oh you know good, doing good whatever blah, blah but then like when you sit down and actually talk to that person look them in the eye and be like how are you doing in this moment and then that's where the conversation would typically pick up may happen right. if they feel that they're welcome to tell you what's really going right. on because i think a lot of times these people just don't feel like you understand right? Mm-hmm. You don't understand what's going on 
because they're super depressed. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're in, they got this cloud and everything is under the cloud. It's woe is me, mm-hmm. you know, and they just can't get out of it. And they don't know how to, how to express it or how to tell you this is what's going mm-hmm. on. And so they, they revert to suicide because they feel like, well, that's the only way I can stop this hurt. Right. Right. Yeah. I also will say that, um, you know, I feel like I see these, you know, this happens, you know, ever, every, feels like these days, now every quarter, like somebody, yeah. uh, there's a suicide that happens, there's all the shock, and then we get all these notes, like, check with your strong friends, check with your strong friends, listen here, don't call me <laughs> if you are not capable yeah. of managing any emotional yep. turmoil, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That is not what people mean when they say check on your strong friends, right? If you know you are non-confrontational, you know you got your own baggage that you ain't managing well, it's okay if you don't need to call, right? If you are doing all you can just to keep yourself on your feet, don't you worry about it. You just you just stay on your feet, right? Because sometimes that's also doing your job, right? To make sure that you don't go down too so that somebody else is not worried, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what we mean is that actually form relationships we don't mean just putting in the sending a text message or calling like that's not helpful and it's definitely not helpful to the people that we're referring to right it's the people that that look like they've got it all right they they've got the relationship they've got the job they've got um some element of celebrity they've got you know all these things and you're going man i really wish that i had all things they have what we're saying is that if you are capable of being that person, then form relationships. Because I think what happens for a lot of people in those situations is that it's hard to have a circle. You know, if you didn't come to it with a circle, then it's hard to have a circle that is uh, solid, right? You know, listen, I don't know what drugs Beyonce gives all the people in her circle that shit is tight, mm-hmm. right? Like they keep her secrets. They provide her support. Like her circle is bomb. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us have good circles, but she's probably the one example when you think of like that level of status, when you get to that level of a level of celebrity status, it's hard to keep your secrets safe. So I think what people are needing is spaces to keep their secrets safe, spaces to say like, you know, this money aside, like I like the money, but I'm miserable and and not feel like that's going to get leaked out or not feel like that's going to, you know, find its way into somebody's hands or your friend is going to use it against you or somebody will say, well, or a tabloid or yeah, Yeah. tabloid or this or that or going viral on social media, something. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So I think when we say check on your friends, we, what we, what we really mean is be open at being the safe space if that's what they need you to be. I'm going to be real. I feel like I'm the friend that probably checks in on people all the time. And half the time when I call people, they be shocked that I call, especially Dr. Chris and Amy Jo sometimes too. I'd be like, hey, she's like, she's like, hey. And then, and then I'm like, I was calling to say hi. And then she'd be like, oh, cool, cool, cool. What's up, girl? Let's chit chat. Because sometimes they answer the phone like I need something. I'm like, oh, no, I don't need anything. I'm just. I'm just calling to say hello <laughs> and see yeah. how you're doing. And then Dr. Chris be like, dang, I got to do that more often, man. You be, you be good about that. <laughs> like, listen, I would call no, no more often, but no, no, either be sleep during the day and working yeah. at night. So it's hard to Sorry. call no, no, but <laughs> yeah, sometimes you'd be like, girl, I'm sleep. But literally I just call just to be like, Hey, I, 
check on my nurses too, though, because sometimes the nurses, when I see like a change in them throughout the day, pull them to the side and be like, hey, girl, hey, what's Are up? You good? They're like, yeah, just you, because there's certain small things you can notice, at least in people you work with and you're around, mm. but some people you're not around all the time and you just need like a little, it's a little check-in. And shout out to Dr. Chris. She's actually getting better at checking in on people because Chris, Chris called me recently. Chris was like, she's like, I'm calling just to say, hey. Cause, you know, I've been working on this. This is one of my, it's one of my goals, one of my personal Aww. goals. Like I check on people. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yes. I do that. yeah, I, 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 I did notice. I did notice. I need to be better at that. I've been so, and, and it's so easy to get stuck in like all the things that you have to do in your day to day. And especially with what we do, we talk to people all day. So when we get home, we're just tired. I don't really want to talk to people and it has nothing to do with it. I just don't want to and it's not like i don't think about people to call them and i might have that thought like oh yeah i need to call and check on them and then i'll do something else and then i forget and then days go by then weeks go by mm-hmm. i'm like ah oh, man i said i was gonna do that like weeks ago Shoot, dr sunshine be the last person i think about calling not because i don't want to talk to her but i'm always like <laughs> i don't know what time it is in california so right <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what time I'm getting. And, and most of the time, I am tired inside. Mm. I'd be like, like I have it in my phone. Like I literally have your, your time, so I don't have to think. Cause I'm have to count the math, right? And three whole hours that I seem to not be able to calculate at the end of the day. <laughs> so sometimes I will, if I like, when she pops in my head, I literally open up my 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 phone. I'm like, what time is it? Like, oh, she at work. And then I'll just like, okay. So I think about stuff at the most random times when people are probably not available. Mm-hmm. But I will answer the phone. So if y'all call me, y- y'all know I'll I'll pick up. Yeah, she will answer the phone. She'd be mad busy answering the phone. I'd be like, "Why'd you answer the phone, girl? Why you got right patience? Now. Is there a patient in there now? Like, let me call you back." <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, "Y'all got a patient?" Like that. That's my line. Monday, Monday or her, Friday, or her yeah, background be mad busy. She's like, "Oh yeah, I'm doing this and doing this and doing this." And oh, by the way, did you put in my order? Oh, picking up my salad. I'm like, "What are you doing? You're doing a lot. Yes. Like, we, can, we don't got to talk right now. Like, it's okay. Right. It's okay." Y'all call me and I've been in, got through 10 places and you'd be like, well, wait, where were you picked up? Like, I was headed to my car. I was talking to my, I was talking to my assistant, but no, they're good. And I'm going to do exercise, you know, Lord, be fine. My goodness. It's hard to not move. I don't know. I, you know, I, one day, I mean, one day, I, maybe I'll slow down. I, I doubt it, but it's just my life. Uh, it's just. I mean, we all got a lot of stuff, yeah, I but I mean, especially new now with a wedding and everything else so i mean it's it's understandable you're more busy than usual so it's busy it's but it's a good busy i i i I like to think that i am um mature enough i don't know if that's the right word not mature aware enough that when i need to slow down there are some moments where i'm like every now one i think dr chris probably catches me more than anybody in those situations where she's like girl what you doing Mm -hmm. on the couch Doing that. Like, I just decided to come to a halt. Didn't do anything, didn't say anything, just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. let it be. So God. that's not this moment, but they have been moments yeah. like that. So um, so yeah, I you know, I agree, check on your strong friends, but what we really mean is if there is somebody out there that you think um that you think is real busy, um, they could probably uh, use some connection. Right. And I have to remind myself of that because I have a really good friend who is very, very busy. And I have um, become a little bit more conscious to 
calling her mm. anyway, right? Because I spend most time like, oh, I'm not going to call because she, I know she's busy. But um, I have stopped doing that. So I still send a text message like she might be in the middle of the day, but she'll get it mm. at some point. So I still ask the random questions because I think it's my knee-jerk reaction, especially when you know how busy you are to be like, I'm not going to send that because I don't want them to feel like they got to stop their day to, to look at this message or to pick up this phone because we can do this anytime. But actually, you know, you're waiting for a phone call that's not business related. Like, can somebody just call me to be on just some foolishness? Right. I appreciate that. Call me with some foolishness. Call like, some gossip. Some talk about. Right. Girl, oh, that's me the best. You. Those random thoughts. Oh, yes. my God. We're just going for hours. I'm like, God yeah. damn, this, I mean, it's a, you know, very cathartic in a way, but yeah. So, you know, if you do feel like you need help or someone that does need help and you need to reach out, there is a national hotline, the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline, which is 988. So if you dial that, they can connect you to counselors that are on call 24-7. And then that can they can kind of guide you and get you the, the help that you need if you need it emergently. And then always, if you do need to be set up with like a therapist, the Therapy for Black Girls site, which we recommend quite frequently, is also a very good network of finding therapists that are very uh, culture-minded and like-minded. Um, and they're very, a uh, really wide network in a lot of major cities within the U.S. So um, those two sites, I will remember to post to our um, our resources page on our website. So be sure to check that out. Oh, do you have another trending topic? Or oh, crap, I did. It's not, it's, not, it's not really a topic. It's just really cute. Um, I'm going like a million years late, but I saw Kiki Palmer announced her pregnancy on SNL and I thought it was the cutest thing ever. She oh yeah. Did. She yes. was like, I know y'all been talking Kiki. about me and yes. the rumors that I might be pregnant have been on Twitter. I'm just here to let you tell or tell y'all that she opens her shirt. I am. <laughs> so cute. I oh my it. God. It's a big old bump too. And I'm like, there's no way. You, I mean, oh my God. And that baby is adorable. So. It's gonna, it's gonna be adorable. Oh my gosh! Sure. I I was super excited for her. Like, um, I saw it and I was like, "That's so good." And of course, you see all the many ten billion think pieces that come after that. Listen, let me just first say, any black woman out there pregnant, I'm happy. Um, congratulations to all the chocolate covered women out there that are currently pregnant on purpose or on accident. Yes, do mm. your thing because <laughs> I just feel like. And y'all know I've been on this kick for like two years now. I just feel like we do not celebrate black pregnant bodies mm. enough, right? We only celebrate them if they are completed. We only talk about them if they are done in the most perfect order or if they are a complete mistake, right? right? And so like, I feel like even growing up, you, you either talked about the teenagers that got pregnant and like, oh my God, they ruined their lives. Or you talked about the, you know, the perfect woman. She is married and now she is Mm. pregnant. To welcome their first child together, uh, God is pleased. I'm so over that. I'm so over those two stories that I am just about the business of simply celebrating Black babies and Black women and Black pregnancies because they don't happen nearly as much as we would like them to. I mean, I follow the... Gone, Kiki. You guys follow the uh, was it cute black babies on Twitter? It's literally if you need like a pick me up, it's literally like a Twitter uh, thread of just like little cute little videos of just black babies doing baby stuff, and it's like I usually watch that for a couple times a day, and it's just it's like a 
immediate serotonin boost. Like it's it's super cute. This is also my oh, shameless yeah. plug to the right big kid the eggs frozen because that's neither here nor there. Okay. <laughs> I actually, that's I actually got plug. a call. I got to make that that's call very soon. I need everybody to freeze their eggs. Listen, if you're listening to me right now, I'm so serious. And you are wow. 30 years old or older. And I don't care if you got babies. I don't care if you know who you have those babies with. I don't care if you have any idea about what's going to happen. If you just know that somewhere in the new future, you would consider having kids for any kind of reason, even if it's for a million dollars or something like that, but nobody's judging you right now, then freeze your eggs. <laughs> Let's let's move on before she goes on to another tangent. Oh, Lord, Lord <laughs> Jesus. All right, what's our main what's our, what's our topic? main topic today? <laughs> okay. So basically, um so my idea for this topic is um I was reading from because you know where there's different organizations, American Family Family Practice Association organizations, gynecology. Each specialty has their own organization. So we get um, publishes like magazines about like articles, and I was coming across an article and I found it very interesting, and that's why I decided to talk about it. So basically, what the article highlighted a lot of the disparities that are going on, racial disparities with um, skin, common skin disorders, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, um, I looked at the article, I was like, hmm, this is interesting. So I decided to figure we should talk about it because it's not, it's only after I read the article that I really understood, yes, there are disparities, right? So sorry, guys, I'm going to have to read because I want to get all the, all the stats right. Okay. So Basically, we have a lot of individuals with skins of different shades of color, right? So it makes up like 49% of the U.S. population. And it's expected to increase to like 59.5% in year 2026, okay? So we're seeing lots of people with different shades of color, right? And skin conditions account for about 12.4% of all diagnoses seen by your regular PCP, right? So basically, your skin is the largest organ of your body right and mm-hmm. uh the thing is that there's a lot of people like uh people of color there's certain diagnoses like they don't when they come in to present like we don't we don't really know what it is or they're not necessarily diagnosed appropriately and the article was basically highlighting that the a lot of the problem is is that there isn't enough education for our doctors surrounding um common skin disorders of people Mm -hmm. of color and I was just like wow that's pretty true and I was just thinking about my own training and how much training in my medical school did I get about just common skin disorders with just people of color but mostly mostly what I do know is pictures based on like our textbooks that we see but they don't have people of color in the textbooks it's mostly white or like not people of color right. yeah and i was just gonna like ask like what is your experience like what do you well, think? i think i mean the same like every any textbook that you get that's like a standard medical textbook in like dermatology all, almost 99 percent of the pictures are you know very common skin t- conditions like eczema or like dermatitis or um you know shingles or uh tinea versicolor like those are all 
portrayed on, you know, they look very different on different skin tones. And if you're only taught in the one, you know, you're only seeing one type of presentation for that, and typically it's in, you know, white, uh, you know, Caucasian skin, then you're going to miss or not be familiar with the other ways that this uh, skin condition can present. Um, and, you know, being at, you know, we all train at Cook County, it's predominantly um, black, and we have a lot of other um, populations that come in there as well. You know, it was nice that we were able to see, you know, kind of the differences between how people would present with some of those derm conditions. Um, so I, I, I am very thankful that we were able to have that experience. But there are, med, there are med students, there are residents out there that do not have access to that type of training. So you kind of have to supplement that with, you know, different books that are, um, that are actually, that actually specialize in treating skin conditions on black and brown people. I'm actually trying to find the name of that the one book. I think I shared it with you guys already. Um, I got it here, but if I do find it, I will also post that to our group. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very mm-hmm. helpful. Like it, it actually shows you how like a skin condition looks on white folk, and then how it looks in that same skin condition on you know someone with a, a little bit more melanin on them, and they're very different presentations for both black and bright. Mm-hmm. They look very yes. different. Mm-hmm. So that's something else too, because you know, um, most of us take care of a lot of people who look like us, right? That happens to most black doctors. Like black doctors get in the building, and then all of a sudden, like black people start showing up in droves, which you're happy about. But they're just like, man, we've been waiting for you because we're hoping that you will hear all the things, see all the things that we think other doctors have been missing. And that's not a knock to white doctors because I, I think you know, we 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 by, we've all trained. We went to school with with white people. We went to residency with white people and trained next white people. And I don't think that the people that I trained with don't want to do right by black people. But when it comes to skin in particular, the same disease can look so different that if you've only been trained to see it one way, you can miss it. And so when black people are like, well, how did everybody miss this? Especially like skin conditions that should be tipping you to more, more serious things, right? You know, this skin disease is a, you know, a marker for a cancer or a marker for an autoimmune disease and all this stuff. And people go, well, how, how'd y'all miss that? And it's simple. It's because depending on the skin it was on, it can look very, very different. And that's hard. You found the um, book. I, sure did. I sent it to both. Uh, I sent it to the, our little group. Um, but the the book we'll, we'll try to put it up on the website yeah mm-hmm. um, it's called ethnic dermatology principles and practice and I also have a really good um, actually a slideshow from the AFP national conference that goes over very common derm conditions you encounter in like ambulatory care so like the PCP office so like papules nodules like the different um, identifications that we use to um, describe stuff so I, I always geek out when I get like a new patient in the hospital um, that has like a really weird, well, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say weird, um, really different type of skin condition um, because like, I can like, you know, use my little uh, terminology to describe it. And it actually helps us out a lot, you know, so someone comes in with like a circumferential erythematous rash um, involving their upper thigh, then that gives us, that's our language to the other uh, um, doctors to say, hey, this is what this rash, exactly what it looks like. This is where it's located. And we also have an Epic. We can like take pictures and upload it to your, your chart so that we can actually follow the progress of if the skin condition is getting better over time. We usually do that all the time with the, 
um, different types of ulcers. Uh, so ulcers like, you know, well, if you think of it as like a punched out part of your skin, ulcers can actually go down really deep. Um, and so we usually take pictures to kind of monitor its progress. We do that with cellulitis. Uh, so if you come in, you get redness, it like goes up, you know, part of your skin. You know, sometimes the ER doc or your hospitalist will come down and draw a mark where that redness starts. And then when you give you uh, the antibiotics, then, you know, that redness will eventually go down, down away from the mark. And that's another way that we can measure its progress. So um, little, little cool things here and there. But derm is very hard. You know, many props to all the dermatologists out there like legit it's yeah. it's very hard it's a very hard field so you know it's i i really give um uh, much respect and there's not that many black dermatologists out there like there's only three that i know about offhand like that i know in chicago um and in chicago like the third largest city in the u.s so um so if you find one hold on to them for dear life and yeah mm-hmm. so yeah, and um, the article also highlighted that um, despite that, we know about this. We, the, there's been increase in reportings of race and ethnicity and um, like calling to light that there's these disparities that when they do clinical trials, so when they're doing research to find out like outcomes with therapies on skin conditions, that the percentage of non-white participants has not changed over the past 10 years. So... We don't, we're not doing studies on people of color to know what the difference is, right? And there mm-hmm. was a 2020 systematic review evaluation of like um, skin manifestations of COVID-19. And they showed like out of the 100, 120 out of the 130 images that they've seen, like 92% of these images came from people of, not of people of color. Mm. So... And another thing that I thought was very interesting that they reported, like, sometimes if someone comes up with a skin condition, like, they're like, oh, I don't know what this is. So what I I tried to explain what I think the diagnosis is and try to show my patients a picture so they could see, oh, this kind of looks like what you have. When I do that, I don't really see skin images of color, like people's skin of color on Mm -hmm. those images. But what they noticed in the article, what they said is that when you're looking for, like, any skin um, related like manifestations of like an STD, mm-hmm. most of them of people of color and not of. That's interesting. Mm. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. And then I was looking at that. I'm like, that's so very true. So, like, if I looked You're up. You're about to make me Google uh, STD. Um... Right. If you look up like what it looks like yeah, with syphilis, syphilis, you're going to see more yeah. people of color. People, you're going to see what it yeah. looks like on people of color more so than you would see of whites mm-hmm. or and I thought that was that was uh really interesting right and another thing too is that uh, they were also saying like because of this like certain conditions because we're a lot of times we don't see it or we're not necessarily trained and it looks different on your on um, skin colors like we could delay care of a patient because we just don't because everything kind of looks different on depending on mm. your skin type. So for instance, like something like melanoma. Mm. We know melanoma is a rare kind of cancer it's a kind of cancer that is very aggressive and you could really mm. die from that, right? But it's not something that's common in African Americans, right? So we don't normally see that. And really melanoma is is um 
it's a less common of the skin cancers, but when it does happen, it grows and it spreads really fast. And it can be very detrimental and patients can die from it. And the problem is if we diagnose it later, you know, diagnosing early is key, right? Because it can help start treatment, person has a better survival rate, right? But Mm -hmm. what they've been showing is that they said that um, African-Americans tend to have like a lower five-year survival rate compared to white patients because we don't normally get to diagnose it Mm -hmm. and see it earlier. So with melanoma, it's basically um, what happens is that the melanocytes, those are the uh, type of skin the type of uh, skin cells that cause your pigmentation, they kind of grow disorderly and then it can cause, and they spread and it could cause and spread all to your body, right? So usually the highest risk is UV light. So people with fair skin tend to end up having it more commonly, but it does show in African-Americans as well. And it kind of, normally what we see, we kind of say is like a dark pigment that like grows, like it looks like black and it just has like the borders or like it, it doesn't have like distinct borders. So it just looks like, it just grows and looks weird. Like not, it's not like a perfect circle or anything like that. It just Mm -hmm. has. And usually that's how we describe it. But in an African-American, it doesn't necessarily look like black like that it could look red it could look like a different Mm. color and you might not be able to pick it up and the funny thing about that is that I actually have a patient that had uh, a mole and Mm. went to was presented presented with a mole didn't I mean I guess he got lost the follow-up but they did send him to Durham but I guess he didn't follow up and got lost the follow-up whatever happened and it persisted guess it got bigger then you went to go get seen diagnosed with melanoma stage Mm. three meaning that it spread to his lymph nodes and he's an african-american and when i heard that i was like huh i thought that was strange because well from what i know it's kind of rare in african-americans but the thing is that just goes to show you that just because that that it doesn't happen all the time like it might really happen more than mm. we know, just maybe not picking it up because yeah. it looks right. different. So if you see a weird rash, I don't, you know, I don't know about you. you. Take a picture of it and bring it up with your doctor because we, we we do need to inspect. So if you do have a mole like, or you pick one up, you know, that's something that we need to follow to make sure it's not progressing in size or changing in color. There's an ABCD um, monomic that we use for that. Um, but definitely bring that mm. up to your doctor. And even if you're in the hospital, you know, I, I document on that stuff all the time. And that's something that you need to bring up. Actually, admitted a guy came in for like heart failure, actually had a humongous fungating mask on his back. A fungating is like a really big, big mass. Like it was a skin mass that just grew out of control and no one had looked at it. So, um, oh, I got to look at the past reports for it. But um, yeah, definitely bring that up with your doctor so that we can uh, follow it while you're in our care. I don't know about you all, but... Um... I'm trying to break the habits of that I've learned at County, right? So, you know, when you work in underserved medicine, the lines for the specialists and everything are very long. So you get into the habit of treating 
probably higher higher acuity things that really should go to the specialist. And so, you know, one of the um, challenges I find is relatively new physician is putting in those referrals, right? Like trying to get out of the mode. Like I don't want to trouble the specialist with this, but some of them I'm like, yo, this is concerning. You know, I, I needed to, I needed to go to um, dermatology and I find that most of the time you're not wrong. Like mm-hmm. I'm surprised at the amount of people that come back. They're like, Oh yeah. When you sent me over to dermatology, they looked at it, they took it off and they sent it. And then they took a little bit more mm-hmm. off and, you know, they said it was a skin cancer. They said it was mm-hmm. this. And so I think I agree with Dr. No. Like if you see something on your skin um, and you are not sure about it, even if I am not sure about it, if it's strange enough to both of us, and it's not, and it's not meeting any anything that says it can't have the option of being a red flag. Like I am going to either biopsy it, take it off, and send it, or I'm going to send you to mm-hmm. uh, dermatology. Now, if it's on like your face, ears, hands, fingers, you know, pelvic area, I typically will not remove those skin lesions, but and I will send you. But I'm always surprised at how many things I have have sent. And I agree with you. Like I've sent things on um, black skin that I was like, I don't know exactly what this is, but it doesn't look it doesn't look benign mm-hmm. enough, right? I feel like that's where everything falls, right? It doesn't look benign enough. I have no idea what this is, and it's not the same size it was two months ago. A good chunk of those dermatology is like, oh no, this has got to go. This is, you know, such and such or some kind of cancer. So, um, I think uh, this is good for people to know mm-hmm. because you know we also grew we also grew up with this idea that black skin was magical, right? Yeah. It's the protection of all things. Mm-hmm. You don't really need sunscreen. Oh, like sunscreen oh. is for white people. You know, oh, our skin got oh, natural protection, or you don't need this <laughs> or all the stuff. You know, black don't crack. Now that's true. Listen, y'all, black don't crack, but you still, but you still need right? sunscreen. Fine leather. So if you don't condition that leather over time, mm-hmm. that will crack. Mm-hmm. And so even though black don't crack, it doesn't mean that you don't have to, you know, give it really good maintenance. And so part of that is um, checking on your skin, right? Um, that little mole you keep rubbing under your bra strap on your back, you know, that you think is getting bigger. You know, you can tell us about that, like. You can and don't save it to the end. I hate that. You know, oh, you know me too. Anything, but before you before you leave, can you look at this and then you look at it and it's like this fungating rash or you know some mold that's like growing horns and you really want to take it off, but you know you've taken care of all these other things. Like, tell us about your skin stuff now because black people tend to always downplay that their skin mm-hmm. is an issue, mm-hmm. and you know, it's not. Cannot tell fix us. everything, y'all, and. and- you tell you need to tell us what's going on. Like, oh my God. Seriously. Right. And I also ash. I also encourage <laughs> something. I also encourage I also encourage my patients. Like if they want if they have especially a lot of moles, like there's nothing wrong with going to the dermatologist and just having your skin checked once a mm. year. That's like, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The annual skin just check. do it. Yeah. That's okay. Like just like you go to your you go to your doctor for everything, like your PCP for your annual physical, you can go to the dermatologist and just go to just for them to check your skin, right? Because you remember your skin is the largest organ Mm -hmm. of your body. Like, you know, and I feel like we don't pay enough attention to it. And 
Um, so it's really important that we do that. And I, I was just, I just thought it was important to bring this to light. So like, because I kind of feel like when people are fair skin or white, we're always like, oh, you know, we pay more attention to their skin because uh, they're fair. And then there's the, the, I guess I could say the perception, I put it in quotes that, you know, black, black people don't tend to get sunburned, but they do. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I got sunburned. So because that, that the, hurts. the fair skin, <laughs> the fair skin can get sunburned. So like black don't, but then that's not necessarily true because if you remember what I said with melanomas, they come because of damage, UV damage to the, mm-hmm. those cells, right? So a lot of sunlight, if you damage, the, if it damaged the DNA, uh, how the cell grows and um, how it uh, grows and how it like, uh, how can I say, apoptosis, how do I say that? Like how they grows and how it stops the cell cycle. Like it's just a, with cancer, it's just an abnormality in that whole cycle. So it just grows out of control. And because it has the damage with the sunlight that can happen to those mm-hmm. cells. So we got to, we got to take care of that and be careful. And a lot of times like with the um, uh, people of color, you can have like lots of moles and some of them can be like um, a looking black. Like it's just more hyperpigmented. There's just more pigment in those moles. Um, and they, and sometimes it's just moles that you just have as you age and it doesn't mean anything. But what you need to pay attention to, is it getting bigger? Does it look like it's changing in its character? It's darker now or it's getting lighter. Something, there's a change. Pay attention to those things and bring it to our attention so that we can just do a biopsy, find out what it is, remove it, you know? Look at your skin. Mm -hmm. Um, It's okay if you're like, I, I didn't know what this was, doc, but I just want you to look at it. Like, is this anything? And we're either going to say, yes, I know that it's nothing, or actually, no, I think it is something, or I don't know. But let's send you to dermatology to see if um, we should, you know, be more concerned. You're right. You know, der- like, Black people generally do not request, like, can I get a dermatology visit for skin check? My white patients do, but I yep. think we've also conditioned white people to they 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 have been identified as a group that's going to have the skin mm-hmm. cancer, and so it's not uncommon for white patients to come in and say, "Hey, you know, I'm really pale. I burn easily. Um, I got a burnt a couple times over the summer, but overall, it's been fine. I got a few rough patches. You think you can see me dermatology so I can get my skin checked? Sure, no problem. It's rare that." Mm-hmm. Um, my black patients come in and ask that. And it's also, you know, because most of the time there's so many moving parts, it's hard as a for me as a primary care doctor to do a skin exam, a full skin exam, right? Get you undressed from down to nothing and then kind of do this full skin exam. It's hard to get those appointments in as well. Um, and I don't and I think that dermatology is better at them at this stage than I am. So I really would prefer that, you know, they were doing it unless there's something very specific that, you know, we see. Um, so I guess if you don't take anything else away from this, it is please point out your skin concerns and don't be afraid to go see the dermatologist. 
even if it is a white dermatologist, because like Dr. No said, there's not that many black ones out there. So when y'all do request one, you are like, but can you send me to a black dermatologist so they can understand my skin? Waiting. I feel that. I feel it. <laughs> I feel you. But your dermatologist is probably going to be white, okay? And that's okay, too, because white people can get it done, right? So we got some good white dermatologists out there that can look at your skin. And we're not just trying to train black doctors to look at black skin. We're trying to train all doctors right. to look at black skin. And so um, what's important is that you're seen by the people who, who have spent their careers trying to better this particular mm -hmm. organ group. Mm -hmm. And so get your skin checked out. Yes, please. And don't get it twisted, guys. Like dermatologists, like they do a lot of reading, a lot of study. Like it is not easy. They, they know... They can probably diagnose every look. Like, I go see them. I'm like, well, this looks like it could be acne. And they're like, oh, it's this, 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 that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, they they have read this and seen this and uh, have experience and do these biopsies and do these skin things. And they, they're on top of Out this. Out of all stuff, the so. specialty friends, I do not have a derm friend. I, I have almost everything else except a dermatologist friend. But well, you know anyone? we need to get one. You know, too? <laughs> from, mm -hmm. from training or yeah. from back in, in, in uh, uh, Carolyn? Loyola represent. They both I went oh, to medical girl. school. Because oh, okay. I'm sure they've seen a lot of things. And even if they haven't seen it and they don't know, they know where to go right. to find it. Exactly. <laughs> or where to, yeah. uh, how to get to the diagnosis. And then we'll I'm just gonna, go from there. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to pivot us into the questions, which I will edit in to where it's supposed to be anyway. Um, and I'll just do one question. Um, so our one question that I'm going to do is very interesting. It's actually a relationship question. Um, it's a relationship question, but it's based on the mental health episode that we had last time. Mm. So the question... <laughs> And, and I guess we could choose to answer or not if we want to. Either way, Ooh. we'll see. Well, it's bordered on the line of it's bordered on the line of mental health and and the relationship question. So the question is, okay. hey ladies, this is more of a relationship question. Given your recent mental health episode last time, do you have any advice for a woman in her thirties who was who has been dating a man for about six months, now realizing that he has a lot of unresolved traumas, family and otherwise? but he refuses to go to therapy. Is this relationship doomed? Thanks. Deuces. Uh, <laughs> why, why would he be- That's an easy answer. So no, is he refusing? I'm curious though, is he refusing therapy because of the negative connotations associated with like a man going to therapy? Like, you know, he should be able to handle all these issues on his own and then kind of, you know, go from there. I, I'm not- I'm not, I'm not really sure why someone would be so adamant about not going to therapy because it's something that we always A lot recommend. of people are very adamant about not well, going to therapy. Maybe because mm -hmm. he doesn't think he has a problem. Yeah. Yes. yes. I think because it sounds like, yeah, yeah cause she yeah. might notice that she's noticing he has unresolved things and he's it's not open. Yeah. He's not open. And traumas. If, if she yeah. said traumas, right. And so if we're talking about like childhood traumas, family traumas, People who identify their traumas and participate in therapy sometimes still need years to to unpeel all of the things known and unknown 
you talk to people all the time that say, I did not even realize like my, my vision, my focus was over here. Cause I thought this was my issue. And then I got into therapy and we pivoted and now we're over here talking about stuff that I had not even identified. And so it takes time to cycle through that. Um, I can only say that when you're like, I think this, she's 30, right? So you, Mm -hmm. at this point, I'm assuming that, you know, you are now finding a career that you think you like. You could change your mind, but I'm assuming you're there, right? You just finally make enough money that you get to the end of your paycheck and you got more than $20 left for ramen noodles, right? So you start to make a little (laughs) bit of money, you know, you're getting a little bit of, you know, some traction in the things you want to do. You're kind of figuring it out and everything. I would just say in thinking about all the things that you want to do and all things that happen, it would be very hard to um, cater to a personality that is not invested in self-help because should you marry this person? I think when you're married, it still, it can unmask a lot of things, but not all the way. Right. Because when it's just two adults in the house that are married, everybody still can function like an individual. Right. I don't need you to feed me when I come home, but it's nice if I come home and you got both of us something to eat. Right. I don't need you to do all these things, but throw some kids in there. Listen, Mm. this is about to get really complicated. Mm. And I personally don't think that listening to my patients, talking with friends, just kind of understanding mental health, I would not be invested in investing a lifetime with someone who was not open to always exploring the necessary things for my emotional health and for his emotional health. If he's not interested in doing that, it would be an absolute no-go for me. Mm. Um that, that I mean, it, w- it would be easy. And I say that knowing that at one point I was your age and younger and it seemed like the most difficult decision I ever had to make. But as I've gotten older, I completely understand what all those older women and men were saying when they were like, oh, this is an easy decision. Go ahead and leave that alone and walk away because that's going to be too hard. And so I'm telling you, I think that's going to be too hard mm-hmm. and that ain't worth it. Yeah. I agree. I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some assuming here if I assume certain things and uh, feel free to send us a follow-up question if I'm assuming correct, incorrectly. But I kind of feel like this gives me the vibe of like, she has probably been, you know, involved in therapy and she is probably in a very healthy, stable place. And she Mm -hmm. has noticed some things that maybe he hasn't noticed or, you know, it sounds like she's kind of further in her therapy journey and like identifying things than he is. But I also want to throw a nugget in here. Maybe it's devil's advocate. Dating some for some dating someone for six months is not a long time. Um, like six months is like no time in relationship life. Like you're still getting to know this person. Six months is not even a good enough time for you guys to really be around each other enough to understand each other's like the darker sides of each other and help each other through that. So six months is not a long time at all. I'm wondering, well, part of me almost feels like not saying she's because I'm channeling our, our past episode, right? I'm, I'm in the giving grace area here because <laughs> you're dating somebody new. It's only been six months. You're identifying some things that are troublesome. He's not really open to fix them, but I'm almost on the borderline of, give it some more time, see where this goes versus cut it off. This is done. Not that she's being judgy, 
but I feel like six months is is early to be mm-hmm. trying to tell somebody how they should feel about their family traumas and things. But I'm ultimately I do agree with Amy Joe. I'm like I'm like eighty percent with Amy Joe, and that other twenty percent, I kind of feel like we haven't even made it through a whole year together. We haven't even had four seasons together. Like that's the other twenty percent. Mm-hmm. So can I say something? Mm-hmm. Um, this is I think we do this a lot and we see things and we try not to we try to put it under the rug. You see like a red flag, but you're like, oh, maybe, maybe that's not it. It's okay. Let me see how it goes and you know, we'll see how, how it happens. And then you go in longer and then it's five you're five years in and then you're noticing, oh shoot this is really bad. Them same flags still there. Six months ago, like six, when you were six months in and now you're five years in and now you're like, okay, I need to find my exit plan. When you saw that from before, like I kind of feel like a lot of times what we do is I always say like, people are going to show themselves to you. It's whether or not you're going to pay attention and listen. Mm, That's a word. And go from there. Right. Like, whether I mean, if you saw it in six months, if he's not going to try to do anything to change, what makes you think five years in, it's going to be any better, yeah, I like right? It. Yes. So, like, yeah. I mean, do you have to wait two, three years when you already saw it to decide? Okay, this is when I need to cut it off. I mean, I think I think it's a it's not an easy necessarily easy decision, but like it really all depends on where you're at in your life and where you want to go. Like, if you see like you're in a better place. And you don't see that this relationship can move forward and you guys can move together and grow together, then what's the point of staying in it? Because essentially what Dr. Sunshine is saying is that, well, maybe you don't know the whole story. And that's true. I get that. Six months may not be long enough to know the whole story, but I don't know the whole story and people walk in my office to identify like there is, there's some concerns here that, you know, we need to to address right i don't know why you and your dad got this bad relationship i'm sure there's a whole lot to it i'm sure that in time i will get you know i'll get this you know hush story from your auntie one night at thanksgiving <laughs> and she's like hey, this okay, hush story you ain't here for me but let me give you a little mm-hmm. information that's all true but what she said was is that there there is something she doesn't need longer than six months though there's something and she knows another important thing he, I'm assuming it's a he or she, did he, did yeah, she say he? He, he mm-hmm. um, does not seem to be either aware or invested in any kind of emotional work. And um, that's the big part. That is true. That's a, don't do it. Because yeah, he's how, either how unaware or not invested. Sure, on the and then also if he's not, <laughs> and then if he's not willing, if you do identify a problem and you guys bring it up in conversation, he's still not willing to change, or you know work towards changing that. Then you know, you know what's what's the point? Yeah, so. I'm gonna come back to this to this uh, the gracefulness, <laughs> the giving grace from last episode. I do think um, ultimately I do agree with all of you. I agree with Amy Joe. I agree across the board. Um, but if you listener choose to bring it up to him, I do think it does. And I think it's going to require a little level of like tact and grace when you do bring it up because it's hard to bring up something to other people when you're, you're the new kid on the block. 
You know what I mean? Like you're his girlfriend. You're the new kid on the block. You don't really know the layout of the land. And I get you, Amy Joe. You don't have to know the whole lay of the land. Mm-hmm. But when you but when you bring it up to someone, because some people get offended by that, they'll be like, hold on, pause. We only been dating six months. You just got here. They get mad because they're like, well, you don't like bitch, you just got here. Oh, sorry. I can't say bitch, but <laughs> I mean, you know, like you just got you know what I mean? Like you just got here. And sometimes people right. and they're and you're especially when it's things involving their family, you know, like if you have someone you're dating and they have strong feelings about your relationship with your sister, your brother, your mom, your dad, like that's like touchy. Yeah. But then again, on the other side of the coin, I agree with y'all because if it's that touchy and if it's that like taboo, we can't really use that to grow. So why are we doing this in the first place? I agree with y'all. I agree with everybody across the board. <laughs> I mean, I think I think sometimes people need to grow apart in a sense to like they can't see the issues unless they're by themselves and really take the time and work on themselves that is true because i think it's harder to do that when you're in a relationship so maybe Mm -hmm. sometimes the other person's recognizing that and seeing that and deciding you know what you're a great person you're a good person and i care about you um and i i think you need to really reflect and use this time to reflect and grow. I just don't think we can move forward together. And it has nothing to do with you as a person. I just think that you have all these things that I think you should impact at some point because it's, I can see that it can be a problem. And I know for me, I can't, I can't do it. Well, maybe you could do it with somebody else, but I'm not the one that I could do it to go on this journey with you. And I think that's okay. Oh my gosh, listener, Dr. Chris just gave you the most tactful way that you can, um, if you if you intend on breaking up with this person, I need you to play back what Dr. Chris just said, <laughs> and that is a beautiful way to end this relationship and break up with this person, while also saying, it's not it's not you, it's me. Right. <laughs> but also being like, but, but it's, it's kind of you. you. <laughs> it's you, it's you, but we can't do this together. Mm-hmm. As, a, as, a, as a sidebar, six months is not a lot of time. I don't know. I feel like if I was dating for somebody for six months, I'd be like, coming at me i don't know i don't know six six months is not a lot of time where you you know you still have to it's it's a it can go either way right some people you know there's always that group that said six months we were in a relationship everything was good blah, blah blah that's true um but six months is long enough to be like okay is this fun or is this forever not that at six months you're gonna label it forever but I think six months is longer to know, like, where is this going, right? Is this this the dude I'm just going to be calling, you know, after, you know, bottomless mimosas or, you know, night out at the club with the girls? Or if I just, you know, need a dope plus one to go out or something? Or is this somebody that I'm like, you know what, this might be somebody, right? Is he going to get it? Are we going to use his real name or, or, or nickname? Huh? Six months long enough to know if he's if he's keeping his nickname or we're going to really start calling him his whole name. Because y'all know how we roll. <laughs> um, Dr. So. No, tell the people where they can find us, my dear. All right. So you guys can find us at our website, which is www.thechocolatemds.com. Uh, feel free to check out our social media sites. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at thechocolatemds. And feel free to send us questions either through our website or to our Gmail, which is thechocolatemds at gmail.com. Wonderful. And Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to y'all. Bye, loves. Bye. Merry Christmas to all. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.